if you're taking notes, you can title your notes Second Life. Second Life. And I'm just going to spend our time together talking about uh, that exact thing, our second life. And if we can all just kind of be on the same page uh, with the vernacular that I'm going to be using, uh, our life on this world is our first life. Okay? And uh, and, and I want us to constantly um, be keeping our mind on the second life. And I'd like to give you a few scriptures uh, before I share that James verse with you. But uh, I want you to write this down on your notes if you don't mind. What you believe in this first life determines where you will be in your second life. What you believe, everybody say believe, believe, you know, I have friends of mine that went to churches growing up and they still go to churches now and, and they have this belief system that is not biblical that you have to do a whole bunch of good things in order to go to heaven. Well, we can't earn our way to heaven and there's nothing that you can do to get yourself to heaven. In fact, the Bible says this, and this ought to be a a vote of confidence to all of us in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Still, if you believe that Jesus Christ hung on the cross and he did that for you and I, uh, and you ask him to be your Lord and Savior, then I want you to know you are on your way to heaven so long as you live your life pursuing him and keeping him first place in your life. Now, here's the key. What you believe determines where you go, but what you do in this first life determines how you will spend eternity. It determines how. So I just want you to know, uh, when we go to heaven, we're all not just thrown into heaven and we're all equal. We're not all equal in heaven. Um, there's some of us are greater than others. Uh, there will be people that are greater than I am and, uh, and I will be greater than others. And so will you. And we know this because Jesus said so. Uh, he said it in Luke chapter 9, verse 48. He said this, For it is the one who is the least among you who is the greatest. Now, when I say the least, that has nothing to do with socioeconomics. It has everything to do with how you live your life. For people who live to serve people and to undergird people and put other people first... People who are first will be last in heaven. But people who are last, they choose to be last down here, will be first in heaven. Servants on earth are kings in heaven. Kings on earth are servants in heaven. It's how we live our life. I used to have a friend in high school. She was such a diligent girl. She had to have A's and B's, A's and B's, A's and B's. And I was just a solid 71 guy. I needed to have a 70 to play basketball. And so I just got a 71 just to give myself a little bit of cushion. And I'd lean, I remember one conversation I had with her, I leaned over and I said, you know, you're going to make A's and B's and I'm going to make D's and we're going to sit next to each other in college. 
And we got there and I saw her and I was like, hi. And uh, it's it just, you know, all of us uh, that graduated high school, we were all in the same English class. Uh, we had to take the same core classes. But when you get to heaven, you're not all, uh, we're not all equal. Uh, the least becomes the greatest. So how we live here is so incredibly important. How many of you remember your second grade teacher? Just raise your hand if you remember your second grade teacher. Wow. The first service was like, I don't even know if they were awake yet. But nevertheless, your second grade. How many of you had a crush on one of your teachers growing up? Anyone? I had a crush on Miss Crookham, my my kindergarten teacher. I, I, I wonder where she is today. I bet you she's still pretty after all these years. She was just... I was crazy about her. Her name was the only thing that she needed to work on. Who gets named Crookham? What kind of name is it? Anyway, but anyway, uh, I, I remember my second grade year just vaguely. And when we look back on our second grade, doesn't it seem like it just, it was just like a second in our past? Uh, you know, our second grade year was nine months. Well, some of you, it might've been 18 months, but it, it was, it was nine months, but it seems like it was just a second when we look back, doesn't it? That's exactly what our whole life is going to be. Whenever we get to heaven, we're going to look back on this world and it's just going to seem like a second. And if we're wise, we will live our life carrying our responsibilities, doing our due diligence, being responsible, uh, working hard. And, and I, I want everyone here to enjoy the fruit of your labor. But everything on this life only determines where you're going to be and what you're going to do when you get there. Now, just so we don't make any uh, mistakes... Uh, mentally, as we prepare to go to heaven, uh, I just want you to know that when we get there, we're going to stand before God. And after we're already in heaven, this is the conversation that's going to take place. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done. Now we're talking about actions in this earthly body. Now, in the Bible, it talks about receiving rewards. Can I just tell you, it's not just about getting a ruby or a gem in your crown. In the Bible, it talks about people being, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be responsible over much. In fact, in one story, it talks about how a man's reward was that he was to be a ruler over 10 cities in heaven. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know how that works out. I don't know, but these are some major rewards. Um, I, I've mentioned this before. Uh, when Satan got kicked out of heaven, he was the worship leader. I've read the Bible a billion times. And I don't see anywhere in the Bible where that position was replaced. So I have submitted my resume. I've asked the Lord, I would like to take his spot when I get to heaven. And when I get to heaven, don't look for the bald headed Italian because you won't find him. I'm going to have long blonde hair like Fabio. I'm going to be ripped to the max and 17 earrings going around my ears. 
Why? Because I can, that's why. If I wear an earring today, all of you are going to look at me like I've lost my ever-living mind. But I'm going to have Mr. T earrings with feathers at the bottom. And I'm going to direct the choir. And I'm going to tell you, all of you can be a part of our worship team in heaven. Except for you, you, you and you. You with your fancy little guitar and your fancy keyboard. Enjoy your time here. I've asked numerous of times to be a part of the team and nada. This one here, Robert, stand up. Stand up, Robert. I want everyone to know who I'm talking about. Both, both him and Isaiah and even the rest of our team, they, they take these tours with these famous people around the world and they, they both won Grammy Awards and all that, blah, 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 whatever. And I keep telling them, when are you going to call me? I am, I am killer on the congas. <laughs> I mean, I'm killer. And this one says, hey, we'll call you. Makes it abundantly clear that I'm not to call them. And I say, so just enjoy your time here. Because when we get to heaven, it just goes forever. We're talking about major rewards. I've daydreamed me and my ADD self about what if I'm over the planets? I'm the boss of the planet. So the first thing, I, some of you are looking at me like, do you really think? Yes. It's crazy up here, man. It's crazy. I think about the oddest thing. The first thing I'd do if I were in charge of the planets is I would make Pluto a part of the planets again. I just think that that's so wrong. Some of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Just pretend you're supposed to know what I'm talking about. But I just, I just think it's so wrong that the Pluto guy gets to be a part of the planets for, I don't know what, a hundred and some odd years. And then all of a sudden, because he's not big enough, they kick him out of the planets. He's not a planet. He's a star now. You're just one of those billion to billion. That's not fair. That's not fair. So the first decision, me over the planets, Pluto, get your jersey back on. <laughs> Period. What, right? This is some major rewards, but we have got to stay laser focused on that second life. Because the enemy is in the substitution business. And the only thing he wants to do is to get you focused on a second life here on earth that distracts you from pursuing God and being victorious and be ready for the second life in heaven. In fact, there is a virtual world online. Many of you have probably heard of it. It's called Second Life. There's a virtual world. I was reading the stats on it. Um, In fact, in 2010, 21.3 million accounts were registered with Second Life. As of May 2010, I wanted to get some more up to date, but I couldn't find them. But as of May of 2010, there were 54,000 users online at any given moment. Uh, let me show you a clip of uh, what Second Life is, this virtual world. Um, and before they press play, let me say this. Uh, you get on, you register, and you create an avatar that uh, you want to represent you. Now... Uh, You'll see the avatars in a minute, 
Um, and you'll see very clearly that uh, these guys are all and girls are all in like perfect condition. But the person that's controlling the avatar in uh, meeting people in this virtual world, they could be 97 years old with their teeth floating in a cup of water, but they look like they're 21. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who you're meeting. And you use your personal credit card, of course, to buy things and to meet other people in this second life. Take a look at this. fascinating is many of you have heard about people losing uh, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars online gambling. But let me just take a sidebar here. People are losing thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars by being on this particular website, this virtual world, this second life, because uh, they're getting so swallowed up into it. Let me give you an example. Take a look at this. I knew something was different the first time I was not allowed in my own bedroom. I was pushed out of my own bedroom. She's like, no, 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 you can't come in. Something's, I was like, well, what's going on? She's like, no, 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 you can't come in. Push me out, shut the door, and came out a couple minutes later and wouldn't tell me what was going on. Since discovering Second Life 10 months ago, 
Lee's wife, Carolyn, has withdrawn to their bedroom where she spends up to 14 hours a day at the computer. <laughs> Lee now sleeps in the living room and once home from work, does his best to keep family life ticking over. That's it. Symmetrical. That basically means something that has the same shape, sweetie. So was your day. The boys now. The girls are completely clueless. The boys, they're angry. There's been plenty of times that they sit there and they tell her straight to her face, this computer is more important than we are. I mean, to have my 13-year-old son tell me if I wasn't born, mom would be happier. Because then she wouldn't have to deal with us and she could do what she wants. That's horrible. I was looking for something, but not knowing what I was looking for. I thought, boy, isn't this, this is just amazing. It seemed like there was just so many different things that could happen in there. It was like being reborn again. The possibilities were just endless. Carolyn was soon spending most of her time in Second Life and very little with her children. How one avatar can see another avatar and say, oh my God, but that's what happened. It was just like any other type of connection that you would make with somebody. I enjoyed his presence. Lee was told by Carolyn that her virtual boyfriend was just part of a game. But he was never entirely convinced by this. She'll say it was just all role play. But role play is one thing. But where she took it wasn't role play. It was real. I said, well, it's kind of like finding, you know, a diamond in the store that you want so bad and you, you know, but you could never afford it. Um, but a woman calls you in and says, but you can put it on your finger and you can take it home for a night or a weekend, you know? And, and I say, it's better than nothing. You know, I can't have the whole thing. I can't keep it, but I can have it for a little while. There's, it's a sad story to see people just get swallowed up in this virtual world. But what has arrested my attention is that I feel like all of us are capable of getting swallowed up in something that distracts us from the second life called eternity. There's a fine line between doing what you're responsible for, what you need to do to pay the bills, what you need to do, the, the menial tasks, and allowing it to become your life. Does that make sense? And I just want to spend the next few moments talking about what it looks like to take a spiritual responsibility not only for yourself, but for your children, your spouse, your family. And every once in a while, the Lord will assign somebody to your life that is not in your family, but the Lord has assigned you to them 
to be responsible for them spiritually. And when you show up to heaven, they're showing up as well because of you. Last Sunday, my mother and the Lord spoke. She's not my blood, but I look to her as the person that dragged me to the altar to have my life altered, to get focused on God. And, and like I said, she called me every day for nine months to remind me, get your life right. You've got a calling on your life. So sometimes the person is older than you. Sometimes they're younger than you. Sometimes they're the same age. Sometimes you work with them. You know it when you see them. The Lord sears them onto your heart plasters them onto your heart and now you're responsible for them. So I'm going to give you five quick points. Number one, when you see that person, the first thing you do is protect. You are a protector. You protect them. You know, my, my daughter is nine years old. My son is six. Uh, my, my daughter, my next daughter down, man, I'm starting to build a tribe here. Uh, my next daughter down is six months old for my kids. Uh, they're not allowed to spend the night at people's house. They can stay at somebody's house for somebody's birthday till midnight till one o'clock in the morning, but you're not sleeping there. I'm coming to get you. I'm sure they're wonderful people. I'm sure they're fantastic people. They may even go to our church, but here's the reality. That is a rule in our house because I may know this person, but I may not know the next person and they may appear nice, but I don't know what they do at two o'clock in the morning. I don't know what they do at three o'clock in the morning. I don't know about their family. So guess what? Nobody spends the night anywhere. Anywhere, period. Now, for many of you, you may say, ah, that's not really for me. Hey, to each their own. I'm just saying the way I protect my children, they're not allowed to spend the night at anybody's house. End of story. This is our job is to protect each other. When you come home and the countenance of your wife or your husband's face is down, when you go to work and the countenance of their face is droopy, you realize, hey, you're not just somebody else to me. You are assigned to me. I want to know if you're okay. I want to know if you're all right. I'm concerned about your well-being. I want to know if you're okay. I remember when I was 17, I brought something into my house, uh, into my room and I hid it underneath the bed because I knew that if my dad knew that I brought this into my house, my head would get rolled down I-10. So I hid it under my bed. I'll never forget the day I showed up, put my hand under the bed it was gone. My heart stopped beating. I went to my brother, Jonathan. I said, Hey, did you take what's mine? That was under the bed. He goes, well, what was under there? I was like, you would know if you saw it. Did you take it? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, Jonathan, if you took what I put underneath the bed, I'm going to be so mad. So just give it to me and I won't be mad anymore. Like I'm a dad all of a sudden. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Three days went by and all of a sudden my dad comes walking in my room. He kept me worrying sick for three days. Messing with my psyche. Even to this day, I'm not quite normal. (laughs) 
he came into my bedroom and he said, I found what was under your bed. And I said, what? He goes, what? He goes, I'm just telling you, I found what was under your bed. I said, it wasn't mine, it was my friend. He goes, yeah, 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 it's your friends, blah, 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 blah. If it's, if it's in my house again and I know it was yours, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to break your face. <laughs> that was common terminology in my house, by the way. I'm going to break your face. Now, I made the mistake one time of looking at my dad saying, this is my room. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> I don't have teenagers, but for those of you who do have teenagers, let me just help you out. It's easy for me to do this with my kids because they're so little. I'll just give them a big wedgie if they smart off to me. But here's the deal. These are the, the whoever pays the bills makes the rules. It's period. End of discussion. So... I remember my dad coming in on a regular basis, lifting up my mattress, looking under my bed, pulling my socks out of the drawer because everything is in a sock drawer, feeling in the back here, moving my furniture around. And I said, what are you doing? This is my room. It's not your room. I let you sleep in my room because I like this room better. It, it, now, at the time, I'm thinking, my dad's the worst dad in the whole world. He goes through things. He looks at it, pulls the blankets off, walks in at 2 in the morning. Hey, what's going on in here? It, it just, it, this is his house. He took me to church every single Sunday. I'd show up high one Sunday. He's still bringing me to church. You're going to church. I'm a grown man, dad. Well, then get your own place. I'm a man. You can't tell me what to do. Well, then pay the rent or pay the mortgage, whatever season of life we're in at that time. And then you can be the boss. In the meantime, get your sorry rear. He said the other thing, but get in the car with the gas money that I gave you and get to church. And he would drag me there. I thought about him this morning. I'm standing on the front row and I'm holding my daughter who's six months old. She's licking her hand and putting it on my face. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, this little girl is not going to know anything else. I've known many of you for years and years. And you keep bringing your kids to church, keep bringing them to church. I just want you to know, you're raising your kid in a way that they don't know anything else. The only way they know is to go to church. That's all they know because that's all you've ever done with them. Some of you have just started bringing your kids to church. I just want you to know that this is all they're going to know. They're going to marry somebody else that believes just like you do. Does does that make sense? And this is you being a protector. Number two is you're a provider. You are constantly taking inventory of the people that you know you're responsible for and you're providing for them. Sometimes it's financial, but most often it's way more than that. If they're not doing well, you're not doing well. Because spiritually, you're not, you are in tune with them and you're going to make sure that whatever they're going through, you're not going to go through, they're not going to go through it alone. You're going to stand before God and you say, you trusted me with 12 people. Three of them were in my family and the rest were not. And I just want you to know, here they all are. I wasn't perfect. I slipped, my tongue slipped a lot, especially when people waved at me with one finger on the highway. It slipped often. 
But here's the reality. You trusted me. This is what we do in order to be completely prepared for the second life that's going to last forever and ever and ever is we prioritize only the eternal above everything else. I am fully aware of reality. We work 40 hours a week. Some of you, your commute, just add another 20 hours on top of that. Things demand our time. Things demand our attention. But they cannot have our heart. It cannot have our spirit. Number three is a provider. Protector, provider, and then a promoter. I'm sorry, promoter. You know, uh, uh, when God looked down at Jesus when he was baptized, he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do you know fathers don't compete with their sons? You ever notice that? If you talk to a good dad, a good dad wants his son to have a bigger house than him, have a nicer car than him. Raise your hand, dads, if you're right. You want your son to make more money than you. You want your son to have hair when they grow up. I just, I forgot you guys were here. Sorry. Uh, you know, you, you, you want your son to have all the things you didn't have and all the things that you have, they, they have a better version of it. This is what spiritual fathers do. This is what spiritual moms do. This is, this, uh, when, when Jeannie was here last Sunday, raise your hand if you were here last Sunday and you got to hear her speak. Did she not kill it or what? Did she kill it? Well, Absolutely. Uh, I was, it, she was a pastor's wife when she was interning me in Rockford, Illinois. And the worship there was just one notch above trash. Um, it, from a distance, it sounded like a, fl- a toilet was being flushed. It just was not that good. And I'm standing on the front row last Sunday. And our team starts singing. Our team starts worshiping. And she starts slapping my arm. She goes, it, she goes, she goes, it's vanilla, Frankie. It's vanilla. It's just, it's just so good. It's so perfect. It's, it's perfect. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, you are so happy for, for me as your son. Because you were a pastor's wife for 45 years. And you never had this. But you're happy that I have it. This is what. Father, and, and let me say this, some of you will spiritually care and be spiritually responsible for people that are older than you. See, age has nothing to do with spiritually adopting people. David was a child and acted like a man. In the Bible, Saul was a man and acted like a child. It has everything to do with the seriousness and the urgency that you take being responsible for that person. The seriousness and the urgency to not get sucked into something. Let me tell you, the devil does not care if we're sucked into an online virtual world or if we're sucked into working out. He doesn't care what we're sucked into just as long as we're not laser focused on God in this second world that's waiting for us. And he certainly doesn't want us to show up together. Can I say this, that the spiritual attack on your life is not just about you. It's about your kids. 
Your kids will fight like you. Your kids will worship like you. Your kids will go to church like you. We teach what we know and reproduce who we are. Have you ever had a colleague just work with me here and you think, man, my colleague is kind of a roughneck jerk. And then you meet his son and you're like, apple doesn't fall. Isn't it funny how that works? We all know this. We protect. And number four, it's you take the office of a prophet. Now, don't let me lose you. Um, uh, oftentimes, um, women and men, uh, we, we have different relationships with God. When a woman prays, it's not like when a man prays. When a woman prays, you can hear her all the way across the house. Jesus, 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 oh, gee, oh, I love you, Jesus, Jesus, I worship Jesus, oh, I love him, tears coming down. This is how women pray, and it's beautiful, it's just beautiful. This is how a man prays. God, I need 250 bucks by Thursday. <laughs> Are you with me, guys? I need about Thursday. It's just as sincere. It's just from the heart. It's just completely different. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and here's the reality. There's a priest mode that all of us have got to step into. We got to step into it. We're kings and priests in the kingdom of God. And there's this, when you're, you know you're in a prophetic mode, when you begin to speak things as if they were, though they may not be. And sometimes we prophesy things as if they were, though they may not be. And it takes fruit. It takes existence. And we back up and go, oh my goodness, I'm the one that spoke that into existence. Let me stay on, on the positive side. Um, you know, uh, I'm a part of this. Uh, my son plays t-ball. And, and most of all the parents are just like me. And we're just like, cheer like our son is Babe Ruth. Yeah! Woo! Yeah! Yeah! And, you know, my son will miss the ball by 12 inches. And I'll go, you are so close! You are so close! His next at bat, I'm like, man, tap it out, tap it out. You're going to hit it over the fence. It's going to break car windows. His dad, dad, it's th- it says 300 out there. Don't worry about that. I know it's 300, but you've been eating and sleeping, and that's what makes strong people. You're going to smash that ball. Okay. Yes! We speak, we just prophesy into each other's life. Prophecy, don't make it more spiritual than, than, than what it really is. It's speaking things as if they were, though they may not be. When you spiritually adopt people, you begin to speak into their life. Son, you're going to be greater than me. You're going to be smarter than me. You're going you're to have, uh, I tell my kids all the time, everyone who sees you will like you. Everyone who sees you will like you. I, I've said this before. I pray that over this church all the time. Lord, I don't know where they're at and I don't know where they're working, but wherever they are, wherever Celebration Church is, everyone who sees them will like them in Jesus' name. And those of you who are in sales, you owe me so big. (laughs) But I pray that over you. 
It's just speaking it. And this, my friends, the more we do that, the more uh, uh, we focus in on that second life so that when, it sh- when the twinkling of an eye happens, the Bible says we're going to see the Lord in a twinkle. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. We're ready. And the people we brought are ready. Some of you might be with somebody in your life and you say, they are so far away from being where they should be. Don't tell them where they're at. Tell them where you believe they're going. Our, our grass uh, last year, or the year before, I can't remember. It's, it was like so high you couldn't find our car. And I finally mowed it and I came in the house and Allie was like, man, honey, when you mow the grass... And it's, you're just sweaty and hot looking. You're just so sexy. <laughs> I was driving by. I pulled in. I saw how good you looked. And man, I'm so happy I'm married to you. Really? I guess what? I don't miss many mowing days anymore. <laughs> I'm like holding the weed here like... Raising it in the air. There's no weeds up there, I know, but I, every once in a while I get, it just looks big. I'm like, ah. <laughs> drinking iced tea. <sighs> you know, you can speak it into their life. I'll tell you what, my, my yard is like, yes, 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 yes. Edged and, and green and fertilized. And, you know, it just takes it. Guys are so easy. I'll tell you what, you just tell them a lie. They, they'll be okay with lying. I, I I told Allie, when we get married, I, I want you to make me think that you think that I'm Superman. Now, I know you don't think that, but just make me think that you think that. Make me think that you think that if I rip my shirt open, there's an S under there. Make me think that you think that. And sometimes I'll be preaching and I'll look at her face and she's like, I know I'm not that great of a preacher, but her face tells me I'm the next Billy Graham. Her face tells me, Joel Osteen better watch out. I'm right on your heels. You keep your Jerry curl, but I'm coming up. A- <laughs> but my, my wife... <laughs> My, my wife's countenance just makes me feel that way. And this is what we do. We're promoters. We're promoters. This is what we do, not just with our kids, not just with our spouse, but to the person that God has tattooed, assigned to our heart. We're promoters. We prophesy. And then the last one is that we're priests. Priests pray. Never stop praying. Never, ever saw. I had the busiest day. I think it was last Thursday. And it wasn't supposed to be busy. Have you ever had one of those days? You wake up in the morning like, man, this is going to be an easy day. I got the hard stuff knocked out Monday, Tuesday. This is going to be an easy day. I think it was Thursday. It's blending together now. But I just got hammered. I had no idea how things just tailspun like that. So I realized that if I don't pray, when I walk down a hallway, sometimes you just got to assign your hallways sanctuaries. Every time I'm in a hallway, I'm going to pray in my head and pray in my heart. 
You just say hallways are sanctuaries to me. Some days I wake up and I say cars are sanctuaries to me because my meetings will all be out of house. I'll go like three lunches in one day. Every time I get in my car, my car is a sanctuary. No phone, no radio. Sometimes bathrooms are sanctuaries. This is what we do. We protect. We provide. We promote. We prophesy. We're priests. I'm going to close with this last thought. Joshua was married to a girl named Rachel. And Rachel delivered a baby. And in the process of delivering this baby, she died. He was crazy about Rachel. He went back there and the midwife said, she named him Benoni. And Benoni means son of my distress. His eyes, no doubt, filled up with water and he said, no, 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 no. This is not son of my distress. We're calling him Benjamin, son of my right hand. I am not for the rest of his life going to call him the season of distress, the son of distress. That is not what I'm going to call him for the rest of his life. In fact, I'm going to call him son of my right hand. So every time he called his name, Benjamin, Benjamin, the only thing he heard was, I'm I'm my dad's right hand. I'm my dad's right hand. I'm my dad's right hand. Benjamin, I'm my dad's right hand. And wouldn't you know that all the tribes of Israel came out of Benjamin. All the kings of Israel came out of Benjamin. There's something about just speaking it into existence. And you keep on calling it and you keep on speaking it. And what you'll find is you'll have one good hour and then you'll have one good day. And then one day we'll come up with one good week and one good week will turn into one good year. And yeah, you'll trip and you'll make mistakes and you'll say things you wish you didn't say. But you just get right back and stay focused. And when that second life starts, when eternity begins, and you look back on this world just like we just remembered our second grade year, you'll back up and you'll say, Lord, here I am. And I brought everybody that you entrusted me with.